With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. On this week's episode of 90 Degrees, we are joined by the marketable Cotton, former casino host. Today, we're talking about how COVID changed the casino scene in Vegas, how to take advantage of hosts, and share some of his favorite war stories. Let's dive into the sharp side and look at the right angles in sports betting. Big bomb, bomb, bangers. Welcome back to episode 11 of 90 Degrees, the show where we discuss the right sports betting angles. I'm your host, Kevin Davis, and today we're welcoming in Cotton. How's it going, Cotton? Hey, it's another day in paradise out here. How are you doing, Kevin? Pretty good. Uh, just as a follow-up to the last episode when I was talking about a betting competition I was in in Philadelphia for Barstool Sportsbook, I did not win, but because the other contestants didn't use proper tournament strategy, I did get the last place in the tournament, which was, I mean, not the last place, the last place that gives out prizes, fifth place. The bubble so boy. I got a, I got a cool grand. And I also, in a raffle, won this. An autographed Brian Dawkins jersey. Okay. All right. So moral of the story is, do every single promo that a sportsbook offers. And if it's a contest, you might do well if the other contestants don't know what they're doing. If you're not at the top, you're at the bottom. So being at the middle is just as good as being at the bottom. So now Cotton here is a former host at a casino, and he's going to give us the nitty gritty on how that side of the business works. So now just to start us off, how did you get started in the gaming industry? So I went to college at UNLV. I got a degree in casino management. And when I turned 21, I didn't have the 500 bucks to go to dealer school. So I went into casino marketing and that was my career up until uh, October of 2020. So why, why would somebody have to pay 500 bucks to learn how to be a casino dealer? Shouldn't they train you on the job? You'd think, you'd think, but uh, yeah, but you have to go to dealer school. It takes about 60 days, 90 days. I don't remember the exact timeline. But I just didn't have the 500 bucks. I'm like, all right, I'll go do a players club was my break in players club and front desk. So you do players club and front desk. How does day in the life in that part of the casino business go? Uh, front desk was the worst six months of my life. It's everybody who is having their worst day coming up to you saying like, oh, I gambled all my money. I don't have the $50 for the room deposit. Can you just put me in on repeat for eight hours? So you're just seeing the lowest common denominator as far as that goes. You never get to really get into the action of it. Uh, Players Club is a lot of fun. I did Players Club and slots combined while downtown. And you're out there in the thick of it the whole time, which is what I like. I like the energy of the casino, the buzz. What happened when somebody lost all their money and couldn't pay for their room? How did they find their way back home? 
So the funny thing was we wouldn't let you do a cash deposit on the room, but you could go to like 7-Eleven and get one of those prepaid Visa cards and we'd let you do that. So we're like, we don't want a $100 bill. No, no, no. Give me a $100 Visa gift card that you have to pay eight bucks for and you had to walk to a 7-Eleven that's half a mile away. So it's just insanity half the time. So they would do that rather than their own credit cards? Uh, Most of these people were not credit card folk, if you get what I'm saying. These are, so, ooh, I got 30 bucks. Let me go gamble it. So so they were down their luck. They're like, all right, I got 30 bucks. I'm going to gamble. Yep. They lose their money. Yep. But they want a room because they lost their money. Yep. But in order to do that, they had to get a prepaid card. Basically, because all their credit cards are maxed or they've lost them. or I've heard all the excuses at this point. <laughs> so now if they don't have any money to pay for the room... How are they supposed to get the money to pay for the prepaid card? That's a great question. So rooms in Vegas are notoriously cheap. I think most of the time I could get you in a hotel room for 50 bucks at my casino, but you had to have that $100 deposit, right? And that's what got everybody is they go, you know, I could probably get 50 bucks on this card. That's great. I need 150 because 100 is for the deposit. Yeah, I mean, I was in Vegas for the first time for Bed Bash 2. Uh, last year in April. And I was just shocked that uh, with my Caesars Diamond Plus card, I was able to get a mini suite of the Flamingo for $30 a night. I mean, they had free rooms, but I thought, all right, let me see how swanky I can get for $30. And you chose Flamingo to get swanky at. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I just said, oh, they have Flamingos. Like, There's just so many options. I couldn't make a choice. Yeah, that happens to a lot of people their first trip to Vegas. So now how do you get people in Vegas who have all these options to like choose what you're offering? Uh, it's a lot of, I'd say 80% of my job was I'd pick up and call somebody and they go, I've been gambling in Vegas for 20 years. No one's ever called me and told me I could get, you know, free suite, free food, free show tickets. Uh, when I was at Manley Bay, I picked off a lot of New Jersey gamblers because they play at Borgata. And, you know, I'd have a 22-year-old kid that lost a grand playing blackjack in one night. Oh, hey, your play qualifies for me to invite you to this million-dollar winner-take-all blackjack tournament where I'll f- you have to pay for the flights. You get a limo to and from the airport, though. You're going to get a three nights in a suite. You're going to get food the whole time you're here. And I think we were kicking in 500 in promos. So 22-year-old kid, you're like, okay, cool. I'll go on JetBlue. I'll red-eye down there. I'll play for three days, and I'll red-eye back. And what happened? Why do they not offer that anymore? Or do they still offer it? And it's just my first time hearing about it. Yeah. uh, COVID changed a lot of the marketing because when they came back from COVID, uh, you know, the casinos were shut down for a month, month and a half, I want to say, maybe more. It's been a couple of years, but uh, they were trying to save some money after they'd paid all their employees to sit on their couch for that time. So they did no promos to start and they realized People will gamble if you kick them in the balls every 30 minutes. People just want to gamble. They don't care what freebies they're getting. So the marketing budgets got slashed to the bone after COVID. And from what I've seen, they have not bounced back. So with the market of budgets being cut, are the casinos getting their the old business they used to get or are they hurting because of it? 
at my casino right after we reopened from COVID, the first three months after we reopened were the best months the casino had ever seen in its history. And it was a 30 year old casino. People were I mean, I just, action. I'm just imagining someone sitting at home in California on lockdown and like, damn, I really need to get out. Everything's closed. Oh my God. I can, I can drive to Vegas two hours away. Yeah. It was a lot of that. Uh, Mine was a locals casino, my last one. It was one of the bigger locals casinos there in Vegas. And I'd say 85 to 90% of my players all lived in probably within 10 miles of my casino. But even then, the people in Vegas were sitting there. You couldn't go to the bars. You couldn't go play bingo. You couldn't do anything. So you're just saving that bankroll for three months. So as soon as it comes out, you're blowing your wad. So would you say this is was record profits the first month coming back because everybody's discretionary income was much higher than usual because they weren't losing it in your establishment. Absolutely. Uh, that uh, we just come off the two checks, which I know all the employers try to go, Oh, someone got a check two years ago. We can't hire them anymore. It was none of that. But if you're a kind of guy that makes 150,000 a year, an extra thousand dollars does nothing for you. So you just put that straight into the gambling bankroll. So we got a bunch of, uh, they were doing incentives for cash and COVID checks. There was all kinds of goofy stuff. So if you get the COVID check, not direct deposit, and you bring it over, what type of incentives were you getting from the casino you used to work at? Uh, back before, in the before four times, like five years ago, you could take any payroll check to just about, there was two or three casinos in town that would give you three to 5% back in free play just for cashing the check there. So I know there were a lot of sickos like me that would go take your paycheck every two weeks, cash it. You get, you know, 50, 100 free play, whatever it is. And you play that free play. And that's your gambling for the month is all house money. Uh, with the COVID checks, there was a lot of uh, promo chips. They would much rather give you promo chips and free play. So we were doing a lot of promo chips or stuff like that. I mean, it definitely sounds bad for problem gamblers that as soon as they get paid, they're right there in the casino with that wad of cash. So even if they say, well, I was going to do free play, but I got all this money in front of me. Yep. Yeah. I'm just do. Yes. Uh, those lights were not paid for by winners, is the saying. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Now, the people who came in with their payroll checks, like how many of them would be APs that had the discipline to stop once their free play ran out? Uh, in my experience, the amount of APs to gin pop gamblers, you're looking at maybe a tenth of a one percentile. There's always the you get a lot more angle shooters than APs, and the angle shooters will generally get themselves banned within a year for doing something skeezy. So, well, what's the difference between an angle shooter and an AP? Uh, your advantage player is going to come in and they're going to know all the pay tables. They're going to look for the best video poker table. Typically in Vegas is where most of my APs would sit. They're going to play perfect strategy and they're going to grind out that one percentage of player edge that they get on that. 
plus all their promos and everything. Your angle shooter is the kind of guy, oh, man, that's your silver miners. That's your guys that are trying to find a weak dealer, uh, trying to find someone who is paying pushes or something goofy like that because the pit's just not sharp on them. Uh, and those guys will always end up getting marks on their account. They'll get backed off, limited, whatever it is. And what is a weak dealer? There's a fantastic scene in Casino where they've got the team with the computers on their legs and they're uh, uh, hole flashing. They're getting the hole card when the guy checks it. They found a weak dealer is what they're doing. So if they weren't using the computer part was the illegal part because they're using technology rather than their brain. If you weren't using a computer, it's 100 percent perfectly within the rules of the game to do peak and show signs, whatever it is. As soon as you involve that electronic in it, you're breaking the law. Now, how many of these winning gamblers were breaking the law? And was the fact that they're winning tip you off that they may be cheating? I was in the business for four years as a casino host or junior host or related hosting uh, sets. We'd have people get busted for Ponzi schemes, money laundering, all this and that. I can't remember a single time we busted someone that was legitimately cheating. So usually the FBI would come in and go, Hey, we need all their money that you've got on hold for them because we just arrested them and it's all fake. You know, it's all Ponzi scheme or money laundering, whatever it is. I never once had a hosted player get busted for any kind of cheating on the floor. I mean, the money laundering sounds easy. You show up with a bunch of cash, you win money, and you say, look, I won this money legitimately. If you're familiar with the Toronto real estate market, which is just bonkers, it's because Toronto and Canada in general don't have the money laundering laws in the casinos that we do. So the Chinese nationals will wire in a million and five into a casino, play 10,000, and then cash out for a million four eight, and then go buy a house with it. They're parking money offshore is what they're doing. I mean, definitely. I figured they would have to play, um, you know, tediously $1,000 hands of blackjack for five hours. But I think I've, they'd be so bold to only play 10000 and that, no, that is the, the big. What I've heard and from what I've read, it's bad out there now. So they're basically playing as their fee for the money transfer, if that makes sense. I mean, certainly, I just figured they'd have to play even more money. Yeah, I don't think they run that much action through. I think they really cash out a good chunk of it. So, But in the United States, uh, what makes it different? The Ever since 9-11, the funds have to be verified very uh, thoroughly for you to be able to play really any kind of solid action. You could not load up right now, put 50000 in a briefcase and go to Vegas because as soon as you land, they're going to ask you for an ID and they're going to ask you where the fuck the cash came from. All right. And then when somebody says where the cash t- comes from, do you confirm it came from there or you just take them at their word? No, we verify. We're calling banks. We're calling uh, your payroll company if that's a thing. We're calling everybody. I don't have to do that. That's all done in the cage by the finance team. But I've had players get cut because of unverified funds. So, like, what happens if someone is an accountant or an actuary, as one of our guests was, plus the, the analytics? I believe he was episode three. 
let's say someone is like a sharp in their profession. They know numbers and they show up to Las Vegas to bet sports with $50,000. You do the check on where their money came from and you say, oh no, this guy might be someone that wins. Or do you do the check and say, oh, this guy probably thinks he's going to win, but we're going to kick his ass. Much more, much more the second. Uh, One of my former bosses, her husband had a saying I love it's, if you're a dumbass, go work in the casinos because you could hide forever. The problem with casinos is because the money is made without really a product, it's just an experience that they go, oh, we made $2 million this month. Like, we had a great month. We don't need to change anything. Well, no, the market fluctuates and does this and that. They think they're beating everybody that comes in the door. Your average run-of-the-mill casino, the game integrity, the looking out for sharps and cheats and everything – very, very, very small part of their business. So if someone works in oil and gas and comes in with $50,000 in the way as someone who is an economic researcher comes in with $50,000, the money's green and you know, it's green. legit. Come on, yep. play with us. I've heard from multiple players and uh, former industry people that Vegas has kind of had a reputation since like the eighties as being kind of like a Mecca because it's, you don't come in and you're judged for being a woman or black or gay or anything. Your money's green and they're going to cater to that. So. I mean, I always laugh because one of the places that made me a VIP for my sports book play asked me my profession. I told them I work in media, which is true. I work for a sports betting media company. Mm-hmm. I just didn't tell them what type of media I did. But now I'm thinking it didn't matter if I told them what type of media I did. They would still gladly take my business. The sports books are a little different. Uh, Just because of how quickly the sports books expanded, a lot of the good old boys that took everybody's action because they knew they ran their lines correctly and they were going to make their money, those guys have been replaced by a lot of number crunchers. So they're looking for any reason to back off anybody they think is sharp for the sports books. It's kind so of bizarre. You say, if you're becoming a sports book VIP for mm-hmm. your play and you work in a perfect a profession that could help you win at sports betting, to not tell them the full story or it still doesn't matter. You got to tell them the full story definitely because if you you'll run into a very dangerous territory where they think you're trying to hide where the money came from and then it's that's a federal problem. It's not a casino problem. But uh, I would never mention to my sports book host or my sports book. Uh, you're probably talking to a shift boss at worst in the sports book. Typically, when you go in, I would never mention to them that you do anything uh, sharp, if that makes sense. I'd be very much like, oh, yeah, I bet the Eagles every single time because go birds. I would never mention like, yeah, I think I've got a really good chance of beating you on Filipino third league soccer today. I just be like, yeah, I'm bored. Just want to check it out. Bored. Um, always mention the wife. Got to get away from the wife. This gives me an escape. And I, yep, he's another one. Here we go. Just mark it down. Always ask for drink tickets because they don't think sharps drink. Oh, I didn't even know about that one. Always that's, ask. That's three. That's what I'm doing. Always ask for drink tickets. I don't care if you're throwing them on the ground later and letting the bums pick them up. Always ask for drink tickets. So now how did you find these VIPs as a host? Do you just look at how much they lost and go up to them and say, 
hey, guess what? I got an offer you can't refuse. Similar, similar. Uh, database is how I pulled most of mine. I'm calling you after the fact. I'm calling you once you're home and you played for three days, you played strong and you want a thousand bucks off me. I want that money back. So I'm going to call you and offer you three nights and food and, you know, tickets to this show or that show. Uh, I didn't do a lot of floor chasing, which is where you're actually down on the machine, hitting the button still, and you're down two grand and I got to keep you here. That just wasn't, we didn't have the infrastructure at most of my casinos for that. Most of your player tracking software dates back to the eighties. So it's not exactly cutting edge. At they said this is called flirt chasing. Floor chasing. Oh, floor chasing. I thought you meant like flirt chasing. Flirt. Ooh, that's a whole different kind of hosting. <laughs> I mean, because that's also what I wanted to know about is what's it like being a male casino host versus being a female casino host? Uh, obviously, I can speak to the experience I've seen of coworkers with fem- female hosting, but I can't speak to it myself. A uh, lot more old men trying to hit on you, trying to take you to dinner, trying to, you know, hey, my wife didn't come this trip. Let's go see blah, 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 blah show, you know, topless show or whatever it is. Uh, male, I had one time when I was at Westgate, I had a player who was 85, I want to say, and it was her husband's birthday. So she asked me, hey, I want to take him to a show. And I go, I've got Cameo, which is a like a R&B group from the 70s. She was not interested. I had Vinnie Favorito in the theater, who is a insult comedian. She was not interested. I had Sexy, which is a topless show. And she thinks about it for two seconds. She's like, can you get me tickets to Sexy for me and my husband? I go, ma'am, I will put you front row with a bottle of champagne. Get out of here. And she called me the next day. She's like, they pulled him up on stage. They found out it was his birthday. It was the greatest day of his life. (laughs) So one of my uh, favorite parts of being a host was I got that, you know, 90-year-old man laid that night most likely. So now this 90-year-old man who's getting laid, is it from his partner or is it from someone he just met? I I would assume it was his partner. Okay. What are some of the crazy requests that some of the VIPs make to you as a host? Oh, you get all kinds. Uh, How many of them are not legal? No, I never dealt. So it's funny. There's a book, Whale Hunt in the Desert. It's written by Steve Sear, the super host in quotation marks. He was a big time host at the Hilton back in the day. He's been at the Hard Rock. He's been all over now. And he talks in the book about having a Rolodex of Coke dealers and hookers. And I asked my boss, I'm like, hey, I'm a married man. I can't be doing this. Is this what it's really going to be like? And she goes, no, that's 20 years ago. Nobody does that. My first day at Mandalay Bay, one of the hosts comes in and and asks one of the other hosts. He's like, hey, my normal girl, she's out of town this week. Do you have a girl I can send up to this guy? I was like, oh, fuck this. (laughs) So uh, Mandalay Bay, I got a lot more of it because it's not as much of a casino as it is like a hotel with a casino attached. The guys would come in and they would gamble, but they were really there for the whole Vegas experience. So they'd go like, hey, do you know where I could get some, you know, some party? You know where I could find some girls? And I'm thinking, I'd tell them, I'm like, you're a 50-year-old banker from Denver. I cannot help you with that. You're going to have to go on your own for those things. Uh, as far as my other casinos besides the Bay, none of it. Nobody ever asked me for anything uh, off the books that way. So it's only like the major casinos on the Strip, the ones that cater to the regular gamblers, the requests aren't so wild. My understanding is I've only worked at the one Strip casino, but the Strip casinos are much more catered to people that want the entire Vegas experience. They want to go to the shows and the fine dining and everything. 
while as the further you get off strip, you know, downtown, the locals, casinos, stuff like that, you're going to get actual gamblers that will play eight to 10 hours a day. They come to Vegas to gamble. They're not coming just for the shows. Now the ones who come just to gamble, are they coming solo uh, or are they just bringing friends and partners? Uh, you know, you get both. You get both. I've got a good chunk of players that would come and their spouse would do the Vegas experience. They go shopping. They go see the search show. They go to the museums while the wife or husband played in the casino 10 hours a day. But they understood that coming in. You know, you don't come to Vegas and then go, hey, honey, I'll see you tonight for dinner. I'm going to go play slots. And then the partner doesn't know that's happening. Uh a big part of the business is you entertain the non-gambling spouse because that's the one who decides where they play. The gambler will play in their basement if they can get a slot machine hooked up. You got to entertain the non-gambling spouse. Ah, I see. So Atlantic City is two hours away from me. And the key to making more trips there is if I find a host at a select casino and be like, hey, can you entertain my girlfriend while I'm in the sports book or the blackjack table? It's very much uh, finding a spot that she likes. She likes their spa, their shopping, their shows, something like that, and go, hey, I want to play at your casino. My girlfriend's a big fan of, I don't know, Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons. you got a show coming up. I need two tickets, and I need a suite for her. And the host's going to get you taken care of. I feel like that's what I should have done when Ludacris had a concert. <laughs> It's funny. If anyone's uh, standing in the way, I just say, move, bitch, get out the way. And I'll be <laughs> able to see the show. When I was at, a, you know, Manly Bay, obviously, they have all the entertainment because it's MGM. So I can send you to any concert you want. And then, like, my off-strip casinos, we'd be like, uh, this is a one-hit wonder from the 70s. People would come out. People are like, oh, my God. He's saying, you know, looks like a lady or something. I, I love that song for two months in 1974. Get me tickets. So now you you find your VIPs from looking at their play and maybe they lost money. Like what sort of pitch do you need to give them to come back after losing money? Uh, most of the do time. you have to like just send them something in the mail or do you need to um, actually talk to them one-on-one? The mail stuff gets sent automatically. The direct mailings handled separately from hosting. I still work off of it, but I don't actually send it out. Uh I try to get you on the phone or get you in an email or get you in a text message and be like, Hey, thanks for coming out. We'd love to see you again. This is what we're offering. You just pick the dates and I'll get everything set up. Now, what is the most money you've seen one person losing a trip? Uh, it'd be in a night. and It was $70,000. Now, the person who made $70,000, was he able to afford this loss? Absolutely. They were richer than God. So trust fund kids, uh, the money was no issue. It'd be like if you went down to the casino at 20 bucks, you know, it will not change your life one way or another. And so they, they lost the, the 70 grand. What games were they playing? And did they still have a good time? Yeah. High limit video poker, $125 a pool. And yes, they still had a good time. Uh, they'd come in about three times a week. So 70 grand, it wasn't like 70 grand. That was the most they ever lost ever. That would happen once a month. So 
did you ever get in trouble if your customers won or no. you didn't because they figured they were just going to lose it again? My job isn't to make you win or lose. That's, you know, if the games are run correctly, the house edge will get you eventually. My job is to keep you there. That's all I'm there for. I'm supposed to now, get you in the door, keep you in the door, and then fix anything if something goes wrong. Did you ever stop someone because they're just gambling too recklessly? No. Uh, I never had a close enough relationship with any of my players to see any of that like spiral. Everyone that I knew, even like my biggest losers, they could afford it. So now, do the casinos prefer hiring female hosts over male? Uh, no. I would say, if anything, it's a slighter edge to male hosts just because it's a very old school business, very misogynistic, very whitewashed. So it is very one note for the hiring typically. Now, every place I worked had a good balance of male and female, but there was definitely a preference to male hosts from the directors and everything. But why would there be a preference? You want the kind of guy, so very skeezy, uh, but a lot of the directors wanted the kind of guy that they could come in on Monday and go like, talk about the Bears game, talk about the girl they met at the bar, talk about their golf handicap, and the women just weren't going to do that. So Now, like, would the male casino hosts, like, help the people get laid, uh, or did the guy just do it on their own? You know, I never had to help anybody uh, with that department. I heard stories, but I can't verify anything. What are some of these unverified stories? Uh, you know, a lot of nightclub stuff. A lot of, oh, do you know who this guy is? He's the sausage king of Chicago. Don't you want to go see what his suite looks like? Goofy shit like that. <laughs> Girls would actually fall for the sausage king of Chicago thing. Uh, God, I wish they wouldn't, but they definitely do. I don't think it's not a Roman. It's a Menza meeting at Tau on a Saturday night, if that makes sense. Oh, the the High IQ Society. Yeah, I don't think they're meeting at Tau on Saturday nights. I think it's a girl that's looking for a come up. So the girl comes to the Menza meeting thinking she's going to meet a genius. <laughs> I'm saying there's not a lot of geniuses at the club, so the Sasha's King of Chicago line has a good chance of succeeding. Oh, I. See. Yeah. You're making a joke. Yeah. That's, but I mean, even so, it's a generational thing. Yeah, that too. Like, what if you get a Zoomer who doesn't know about Ferris Bueller's Day Off? They used all kinds of crazy lines. So I think they probably enjoyed using a line like Ferris Bueller's Day Off because it would go over 80% of those girls' heads. I think I saw a clip one time of the Barstool president, and they were making fun of him, and they were talking about how he doesn't date any girls born before 9-11. Kind of thing. And that was very much the mentality. Now, is this, is that type of aspect what attracts people to Vegas rather than thinking they're going to bring down the house? It's definitely changed. Uh, you've got gambling in all but two states now. I think every what, like 80% of the U.S. population lives within 300 miles of an actual casino now. So 
when you go to Vegas, it's these same slot machines. It's the same tables. It's the same everything you have in New Jersey and uh, Biloxi in California. There's no difference anymore. So they've got to do something to attract you. And that's where all the shows, the shopping, the dining, the experiences come from. I mean, I'm just thinking of so many betting angles right now from all this information that if I dress like this, ramen hoodie in the hat, walk into the casino with a lot of cash and be like, oh, yeah, just I'm just here because I'm tired of my girlfriend and try and use some pickup lines tonight. But in the meantime, where are the kiosks? You show me where the kiosks are and I start jamming them with prop bets on non-major sports. Uh, for the average casino, they're just not going to really look at race and sports play. And if we do, it's going to be all based on loss. So unless you're laying off your action at another place to show losses at my place, it's just not going to work. But if somebody, you said if somebody wins a lot of money at your place, you call them back trying to get the money back. For everything but race and sports. Race and sports kind of operates as a uh, back of the house almost kind of thing. It operates very cowboy by itself. Now, when you're uh, like learning more about your clients, what type of information do you ask for? Uh, like to get to know them better or? Yeah. Oh, I ask all kinds of dumb shit. So most of my players, I knew what you did, what your wife does, where you're from, because nobody from Vegas is actually from Vegas. Uh, I can typically disseminate sports teams from that, whether it's college or pros. We'll go on about that for ages. I used to have like all kinds of niche knowledge about tiny colleges and like Tulane and stuff. Uh, I'm going to learn what your drink is. Typically, I'm going to learn what your smoke is if you smoke cigarettes, because I can comp that. Uh, I'm going to learn your anniversary. I'm going to learn your kids' birthdays. I'm going to learn any other important dates to you. So I never want to call on someone's like day their spouse died or something because that's not the time to invite someone out to Vegas typically. Now, before you ask them questions, what information do you already know about them besides how much they lost? I'm going to know. Do you know their age and occupation, stuff like that? I'm definitely going to know your age because it's on your ID. I'm going to have your address that's on your ID. Uh, quick Google. I can usually figure out what you do if your name's not Joe Smith. If you're a serious uh, professional, usually you have it somewhere on some website, whether it's LinkedIn or the company's website. Uh, I'll have any notes they've made on your account since you got the player's card. So if you went to Vegas in 2004 and got a player's card at MGM – I'm going to have all those notes. Even if it's from 10 years ago, I've still got notes on it. Now, do you profile based on whether they're interested in something as a consumer? Like if you, you already know their favorite sports team because your data shows that they're likely to be a NASCAR fan. Uh, unless I put that note in there myself, it's not going to be in there. Typically, that's all just personal marketing of it. But definitely when I've got a NASCAR event coming up, I'm calling my NASCAR guys going, Hey, I've got tickets to the raceway limo to and from, you know, sweet. There's usually some kind of tournament or something involved with it as well. So are you coming and then book it from there? I mean, I'm kind of laughing a little bit because I was, I do some local politics in New Jersey Mm -hmm. and on the campaign I was on, I wanted to text voters 
I paid for their phone, their cell phone numbers to text them. And they're all like, how do you get my number? You stole it. What do you do? But what they didn't know is each phone number was one and a half cents per voter we wanted. Oh, one and a half. So if we pay an, <laughs> so if we pay an extra penny, we got to know their probability of having kids. Uh, if they own art, if they're a homeowner, what their likely income is. Oh like God. everything going back to columns B, A, C, A, et cetera. Two and a half cents, and huh? I just figured that the casinos already bought this data too. No. It wasn't just your political campaigns. Um, it'd be genius if we did, but they don't because they're making too much money to think about it. Does that make sense? I mean, I'm already, I feel bad that I'm, that somebody may be listening and I'm giving him an angle for how to make more money off problem gamblers. Let's <laughs> say, oh, wait a minute. If we just get a list of every single person oh, who man. owns art and then invite them to an art show. It, you could buy the list and then just cross-reference it with your database. It'd be so easy. Even if you only get 20% of that list goes into your database, you have all this great information on them now. So, I mean, and God forbid they decide to have a political party convention in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. You just figure out the political leanings of your customers and invite them over. Yeah. Well, you know, like Phil Ruffin, who owns Treasure Island in the Trump Hotel, he's very close with Trump. So they've done a lot of rallies at that casino. They do a lot of stuff like that. So yeah, I think it would probably be a decent casino to try to shoot that angle at, you know? Now, when these casinos have, in this case, a Trump rally, do they figure out which of their patrons are big Trump supporters and try and get them to, to come over? I have no idea about any of that. None of my casinos did any political rallies while I was there. Uh, I know, like, Venetian used to do a couple of, like, high-dollar dinner fundraising things, but that's because they were owned by Sheldon Adelson. So... They did some of that stuff, but it's not casino related per se. They're just using the space. They're just using the space, but they're not intermingling it with the business. Correct. It's going to be all in the ballrooms and catered and everything like that. I mean, I always see these documentaries on casinos saying they know everything about who plays there. And now I'm already thinking that there's other people out there who know even more about their customers than casinos. That you fill out today's, you fill out the survey in the mobile app to stop watching the ad. Yep. And then that gives advertisers more information. Yep. Or you, you know, you talk to your wife about crab rangoons and you go on Amazon. It's like, here's 14 tools to make crab rangoons with. So everything's listening. So yeah, they're mad about the crab rangoons, but they, they're not mad about the crab rangoons, but they're mad that they got a text message from me. Yep. Yep. That sounds about but right. They weren't, they weren't mad about, privacy of the text messages they're mad about the uh the content <laughs> and then i just do the jay-z approach just like whatever you got to do that in politics i think there's no way you can take it personal or sports betting yeah gambling twitter is a cesspool it yes or it used to be much worse it's gotten better Ugh. but i just do what i do people do what they do and you keep going gambling social media just in general is a wild place because it's people who play penny slots yelling at someone who plays 25,000 a hand at blackjack that they have no idea what they're doing. Now the people who play $25,000 a hand at blackjack, um, how do you, when they have really bad negative variants and lose more than they're expecting, how do you bring them back? 
So the number one reason a player will stop playing at a casino is because they lost and you can't do anything about that. But I will usually, it depends if they're a loyal player, like say you come to Vegas every single month and play at my casino. And then in December, you just get your ass kicked. We send you away with your leg, your tail tuck between your legs. You lose 200,000 bucks. If you're a 25,000, a hand player, that's a pretty decent loss. Uh, I'm going to call you in January with the approval of my higher ups and probably offer you a, a cash incentive to come in. That's usually based off of your credit line. So if you're 25,000 a hand, you probably have about a $200,000 credit line. I'd probably offer you 10% of that up front just to show up. So 25,000, I'd give you $20,000 in what we call an appearance fee to come in the door and play. Try to take the sting out of that loss a little bit. Now do the math nerds. When they see somebody buy in and how much they play per hand, do they have it already calculated out how long they should last and what type of different variants they can get? Yeah. So all that's done by the computer these days. Uh, We're going to write down your buy-in, your average bet, your length of play, and that's going to give me your theoretical loss. That's going to give me your uh, bets per hour, like how many bets you're placing an hour based on the speed of the game, all these variables. But is it going to give you bust probability within minutes? No. So you can be alerted to, because, you know, speaking of someone who like programs sports betting models, that's what I would do. I would just figure out what their probability of is going bust and keep an eye on them. So once no, they lose, I. I've never once cared about someone going bust. Uh, I get, I care a little bit about it with my top player because they had a credit line and if they had exhausted the credit line, we had a check coming and I needed to get an approval from a higher up to take checks of that magnitude. Cause it's coming straight off the marker and you know, finance has to get involved, but that's the only time I really cared if someone was getting close to their bus bubble. So now with, for the APs listening, what is your best advice for how they can take advantage of the whole structure of hosts? You got to call 80% of people are too scared to call the casino and go, Hey, I've been playing there. What can you offer me? That call will almost always get you transferred to a host. And the worst that host is going to tell you is I need a little bit more action out of you to give you anything. 90% of the time that host wants to give you, give you a little nibble, give you a meal or a room or something to try to, and do some more play, if nothing else. Yeah, because I remember I called up, they finally gave me an in-person host because I didn't know the call. Mm-hmm. So I finally was like, oh yeah, uh, my girlfriend's mom wants to go. Can we get an extra room? And he's like, yeah. And I thought to myself, oh wow, it's that easy? Yes. Rooms are the softest comp a casino can give you because those rooms have been paid for for 20 years. So if you ever need an extra room or an extra night or the rates are just too high, even if the rates are high, call and go, you got a player rate, you got a casino rate. And they will usually chop that rate down. They'll chop the resort fee off. They'll do something for you. None I of mean, us are work and want to answer the phone and tell people no all day. You know what I'm saying? Are these casinos the type of places that if there was no casino, they would go out of business because the hotel doesn't make money or the casino it's just so people stay at the hotel and the hotel is what makes the money. Vegas definitely changed in the past 15, 20 years. Used to everything was a loss leader to get you in the door to gamble. And most of the places now are going to be running it as a fully rounded business. So everything supports itself. 
I know when I left, Stations was still running theirs where like the buffet was a loss leader. A lot of the restaurants were loss leaders and the room rates were typically on the edge of loss leader, if not full out loss leader, because their casino made so much money. And then what happened so that the casinos were making less money? Did the overhead just go up or were the players getting smarter? People stopped gambling. In Vegas, it is. So the gambling per capita is still high, but the gambling per trip to Vegas, which is tracked by the uh, tourism board there in Vegas, has gone down year over year for the past like 10 years, I want to say. People just aren't bringing the bankroll to Vegas because, you know, you live in California. There's 20 casinos in California you can play at. So why would I use my... You live in New Jersey, you can do casino betting on your phone. Yeah. Why would I use my limited time on my vacation doing something I can do in my backyard? What made you uh, stop being a host and are you looking to get back in? I'm not looking to get back in. Uh, I got laid off October 2020. My casino company, Stations, they had closed Texas and Fiesta and they brought over the top host from each of those two properties to my property because we were the closest that was still open. So they had two new people. They had to get rid of somebody. I was the youngest, the least tenured, and the most handsome. So it's a deadly trifecta to be in. And then I spent about a year just trying to apply for every job that came up, casino hosting. And it just, the market was flooded with other hosts with 20 years experience and a book as long as your leg of players that couldn't get a job at, you know, the do drop in basically. So it basically killed my career in casino marketing. I'd have to start all all the way over from the bottom, and I didn't want to do that. I'm at the time I was 25. I have a college degree. There was just no way I was going to take a $15 an hour job to start it all over. So I moved back to Texas and got into car sales, which is fairly similar to what I did in the casinos. It's calling people. Hey, you clicked on our car. Are you still interested in that? You got any questions for me? When can I see you? So. Instead of booking trips, I book appointments for you to come check out the cars now. I see. What was your favorite story from working in the business? Favorite story. So my top players, they were husband and wife combo. They played video poker. They weren't sharp. They just loved video poker. Uh, They came in the day before Thanksgiving. His entire family was coming in for Thanksgiving. They wanted to play one big, serious D-Gen session before the family came in. Because obviously they didn't want the family knowing they played like that. And they play for about an hour and a half and they hit a Royal. They hit a hundred thousand dollar Royal on me and they're, they're elated, but they're so happy they hit it that night. Cause if they hit it while the family was there, it was going to be like a problem, you know, cause their family doesn't realize they have millions upon millions of dollars. They just think they're well off. So uh, we get paid. I'm walking through the casino with 80 grand in cash. Lady stops to ask me where the buffet is. I have to have the security guard tell her cause I've got 80 grand in cash racked up right here. Cause 20 of it went straight to the marker. Uh, next day they come in for their Thanksgiving. They're eating in this, they're going to eat in the steakhouse, the whole family. I've got a reservation for them. They decide to play for like 10 minutes before they go eat. They hit another fucking Royal. So they got another hundred thousand. The family's like, Oh my gosh, this is like life changing money. And to them, it's a Tuesday. So, uh, I go get a hundred thousand in cash this time. And I call the steakhouse and tell them, Hey, uh, They are going to be late for their reservation. We're still paying them out because it has to get camera verified. There's a lot of steps to a jackpot of that magnitude. And they go, it is Thanksgiving. We can't push this reservation. 
to which I tell them, I will shut your fucking restaurant down. We're pushing the reservation. <laughs> There's no way I'm giving them $100,000 worth of my money and then letting them walk out the door because you won't serve them turkey an hour later. Turkey at a steakhouse. Yeah, they would do uh, – so it was a turkey or it was a pre-fee on Thanksgiving always, and it was either you know turkey with all the fixings or prime rib. And I think 80% of the party got prime rib, me, me included. I'm not going – love me some turkey – you got to get prime rib and you can get it. So, All right, that's Colton telling us about casino hosting. Stay tuned for the next episode of 90 Degrees. Big bomb, bomb, bangers. Boogie down, Bangers. Big bangers, bangers, bomb. Boogie down, pit.